Hour two of Wildcat Insider News Radio KMAN. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale today. No Wyatt Thompson. Voice of the Cats will be with us next Monday. Big Steve is with us today across the glass. 537-1350. Tack on a 785 on front of that. And you can call in on the show. Give us your thoughts on Jerome Tang. Give us your thoughts on Case Athletics in general, spring football, whatever. You can give us a call, 537-1350, and we could talk about what's going on with the Cats as of late. I actually don't have anything spring football on the um, on the list here today, but uh, we will be hearing from Colin Klein in a couple of days. New, of course, offensive coordinator for the Cats. And uh, I remember um, it's, it's, it's happened a couple of times. Like, I've tried doing it twice now uh, with, uh, with Van Malone. And I remember asking a player. I can't remember which player it was, but I asked a player. I was like, all right, we've heard multiple times now that the offense is moving faster. What does that mean, moving faster? I need specifics. Because if the ball is snapped six seconds before the play clock expires, around here that's considered fast. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference. Instead of uh, burning it down to two or one seconds and, uh, you know, calling a timeout or, you know, Skylar Thompson trying to make a last-second change to the play. Calling that audible. What does... Faster mean. And, um, well, both times, I guess you could say I didn't get a whole lot of detail. Matter of fact, I mean, Van Malone, he only really added, I mean, the only detail we really got was that it's giving the defense a different look. Like they're having to get ready for everything. They got to be ready to go. They're not allowing as many substitutions, things like that. Like the, the usual things you can imagine with a hurry up offense. They're not exactly huddling, I would imagine. They're getting to the line of scrimmage. Like I said, they're limiting substitutions. That doesn't exactly mean they're snapping the football quickly. They're just getting up to the line. Mm-hmm. That's basically all we know. We don't know how right. fat, like what they're running out of it, which you can imagine. Probably a lot of uh, <laughs> RPOs or you know things like that. Such as closed practices. Don't want to tip hands. So actually tomorrow, I'm not going because we're not going to see anything. Sure. Uh, but there is a, uh, a open practice for like the first twenty minutes at seven thirty in the morning. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, man, right? That is uh, that's an interesting time to allow the media in for a few moments <laughs> to catch practice. Glad we could come in and watch some warm ups. Maybe watch a little some here and there. Maybe some drills. I don't know, but um, I don't know. Maybe I should go. Maybe I should. What do you think? Do you want to go instead? I'm busy. Ah, Brandon, he, he's been ta- he was talking a big game earlier today about <laughs> wanting to host the morning show a little bit and flap his wings a little bit. He's, he thinks mm-hmm. he's a peacock now. Mm-hmm. He thinks he goes to St. Peter's. He wants to fly. You notice Stephen over here yawning. We know he won't want to do it tomorrow morning. No, 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 no. Yeah. I- it wouldn't be the whole show. It's just like the last two hours <laughs> instead of the whole three hours do you get to sleep in an extra hour big no, steve thanks i'll pass all right all right all right well so to come coming up here in just a few moments we we will hear from gene taylor k-state athletic director about the hiring of jerome tang uh but uh you know jerome tang has not wasted much time there's already names out there of course on who the assistants will be it doesn't appear that shane southwell will be retained as I got on his Twitter account earlier today, it does not say K-State assistant coach anymore. It just says coach on that Twitter account. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Uh, but also, the names that have been thrown out there is uh, Eurek Malagi. I, f- I figured out how to say it. It's not It's not Ulrich. It's Eurek Malagi. That's how you say the assistant's name that's coming from Texas to K-State. And then it was, um, well, it wasn't too long after that, Dream Dowling from North Texas is uh, going to be coming up to K-State. And then... Um, for the third spot, it was talked about a little bit before the end of the week, but Rodney Perry would be coming up here. He's a high school coach, one year as a high school coach at Lincoln Academy in Branson, Missouri. But um, before that, he had been at Oral Roberts. Uh, that was one of his stops with uh, former Baylor coach uh, Paul Mills. He's also at UMKC for a time. Now, it appears that they're already hitting the ground running. Yurik Malagi is already in Texas, which that's his hotbed, right? He has spent so much, so many years in the state of Texas recruiting as an assistant coach. 37 years old, and he's already been tearing it up for Texas Tech at Texas. Like He already has six seasons under his belt as an assistant coach, 20-plus wins. And he's already doing what he does best in his recruiting the state of Texas. I don't really have any names for you out of the state of Texas, as a matter of fact, boy, I have already really fallen behind on trying to keep up with all the names that have been rumored or already been offered by the K-State coaching staff that does feature Jerome Tang. I'm not talking, I'm talking after the departure of Bruce Weber in the hiring of Jerome Tang. Who's been offered by Jerome Tang? Who has he talked to? I've already lost all track of that. Um, I, I did want to bring up a couple of names. I think what Drum Tang is starting to do a little bit here is maybe starting to talk to guys that have, are going to be leaving schools because they're into the transfer portal, of course, but also potentially because they're maybe going to go somewhere like LSU, but there's a coaching change, so they've used that opportunity to open the recruiting back up and get back in the process of, well, being recruited. And one of those players is Julian Phillips. I brought him up last week. He is from Link. The school in Branson, Missouri, I was talking about uh, Rodney Perry, who's been coaching there. He's a five-star kid, 14th ranked nationally. However, it's going to be really tough to get him to come to K-State. He's already, prior to now, been talking to schools in the SEC. I know Tennessee's been involved, and I've recently heard Auburn has been involved. He was originally going to go to LSU. He is class of 2022, but he's back out there, and he has been um, he has been in somewhat of a conversation, maybe a, a small one, with K-State. And I'm talking about Julian Phillips. But there are guys in the transfer portal. I think the biggest name that has popped out to me that I thought was really interesting, and it's not Brandon Murray. We already talked about him, the player from LSU, a guard who plays very good defense. He can shoot the ball. He's a wing type of guy. He's a shooting guard. But he has a lot of attention from other schools as well. But he's at least he has been talked to by K-State, and I believe there's an offer out there. He is a prospect for the Cats. But another name that's been popped out there is a grad transfer big man in Javius McKinnis. I've heard of this name one time, and that's because I just happened to be watching a game uh, with Jackson State in it. So with his last year of eligibility, he is playing to transfer from Jackson State. But he's a swag defensive player of the year. He averages a double-double, and it Remember, I said big man. This is the center. And where does K-State need some help? That's obviously at center. Like, if you ask me, who do I feel is going to be the next one up to potentially transfer? 
I'm looking at the fives. Mm-hmm. When it comes to outside of that, I mean, I feel very confident. I think there's no doubt that Marquise Noel and Ish Masood are sticking around. Now, when it comes to um, Nigel Pack, I'm pretty confident he's sticking around as well. His name is in the uh, NBA process. If he were to come back, I'm pretty confident he's going to stick around as well. I don't think – I mean, they talked to the media after that press conference. I mean, things can change. But as for right now, the way things stand, I'm confident those three are going to come back. But man, does K-State need some help at the five. Well, Javius McKinnis is a five who averages he's a ten, he's a twelve and ten guy. He is very athletic, which is something that's needed at the five. He can move. He's really let, let me let me make this more clear. He is more of a stretch five. You know what I mean by that, mm-hmm. Troy? As in, yep. a, he, he, I don't I, think he's going to post up as much. Like if you're K State, you don't want him just posting up. He is an athlete that can move around the floor. He's not afraid to take a mid range shot. And he can knock him down. Some of the highlights I was watching earlier today, he shot over dude that's 6'10", which brings up my one issue with Javius McKinnis, who averages 12 points, 10 rebounds a game, doesn't really turn over the basketball. He has, a, he has attention from Ole Miss, and he is from Mississippi. That does worry me a little bit. But as a 5, he's only 6'7". Yeah, mm. you're not going to have a 6'7 guy that is athletic and can shoot mid-range. You're not going to post him up a whole lot. You can't post him up like that, especially in the Big 12. Right. It just would not work out. I'm just thinking in terms of a comparison, probably more a Tanner Groves type than a Jacob Groves type. While Jacob Groves can stretch for Oklahoma, Tanner uh, is a little more undersized, and as such, uh, he's definitely in that stretch category. But one more thing I wanted to add, and I mean, there's just a whole bunch of names, obviously, uh, that K-State had started in on. They're obviously trying to win this uh, player who was originally committed from Kentucky as a four-star for the class of 2022, another point guard in Sky Clark, who's from Florida. Uh, I know he's also been contacted by Brad Underwood, and and, um, and of course, there's the, um, Aiden Shaw. Now, Aiden Shaw was a Shane Southwell recruit from Stillwell, Kansas, who's a four-star uh, hopefully, I mean, that fingers crossed, K-State could get a player like that, a small forward, to help K-State out at the four. But also I noticed on, um, it was shared in the group chat, there it is, the group chat again, uh, the infamous group chat. Who's all in that? That's mm-hmm. a big mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am in this, and there's a lot of information that's shared in there, but this isn't like anything top secret. But it has to do with Dream Dowling. And he put on his Instagram account that he shared that the Cats, the coaching staff, they're on the road. I mean, it's a great hint that Dream Dowling is going to be an assistant coach at K-State, which is, it's no longer a surprise. We're just kind of waiting for K-State to make the announcement. It's no longer a surprise. I mean, uh, Yurik Malagy has already put on his Twitter account. It's a K-State background. He said email on Twitter earlier today. Mm-hmm. He's in at K-State. He's one of the guys. And, of course, um, Dream Dowling. But he put on his story on Instagram that he's on the road with Coach Tang. They're in Chicago, and the question was, oh, where are they going? Where are they going? Who are they going after? They went to New York City, and they visited the mother of Marquise Noel. Oh. And they visited his brother as well. So I, I, it made me wonder, you know, th- is this part of the recruiting process? So he's on the road visiting families of the players that are already at K-State. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the answer to that. That's just a speculation. But I... I, I if it is them in a recruiting effort to keep the current players, I love the effort. I think that's going the extra mile to go all the way to New York City and visit the mother of a player that's already on the team. 
If I'm Marcus Noel, I love every bit of that. All right, let's take a timeout because coming up next, K-State Athletic Here we go. Athletic Director Gene Taylor on Wildcat Insider. Appreciate the Foo Fighters as we return to Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. As we are now joined by Gene Taylor, KSAT Athletics Director. Gene, I greatly appreciate your time joining us once again here on the show. Uh, last week, the big announcement, and Jerome Tang is going to be the 25th head coach in K State men's basketball history. Um, last week, how, how much would you say, like, how fun was last week for you and the uh, staff there at K State Athletics? I was. It really was a blast, and I you know, talked to our staff this morning. We had a, a, a senior staff meeting, and just thanked everybody. It was a collective effort of a lot of people to put that whole event together. From you know, from the time we announced him uh, to the time we got he and his family here to to Manhattan and the events surrounding it, just really was a team effort. All the social media stuff we put out. Obviously, Jerome came in and, and did a you know really tremendous job with both our donors and our supporters. And it was just a lot of fun to see the energy uh, around he and his family and then ultimately the uh, you know, K-State basketball program. Well, obviously you've, you've done this a lot where you've hired a coach and you had a firm that helped out with the, uh, with the hire and finding candidates. Uh, like, but for you, like typically when this is a process that you go through hiring a coach, is it typically a stressful time? What's it like? Well, it's a, it's funny that you ask that question. I actually enjoy it. I don't want to do it all, very often, but I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy the opportunity to to you know talk to individuals in the sport, whether it's basketball, football, whatever. You know, get their perspective. We talked to some great coaches that you know certainly had a high interest in K State. So I, there is a there is an, a, a very enjoyable part of it. Enjoyable part of it that. That you know is is fun because you're you're learning and you're talking and you're meeting new people. Some cases I knew the folks we talked to. Some cases I didn't. Um, but just their energy about K State basketball and and how they perceive us uh, as a program. Um, and then it gets a little stressful when you have a lot of openings in the country at the Power Five level, like we did this year. And then every time one of your candidates is mentioned in one of those jobs, you're like, "Oh boy, I got to get this, you know, got to get this wrapped up." So there is a stressful part of it. There is also a lot of enjoyable part of it in terms of meeting uh, these candidates and talking to them and, and learning about, uh, you know, just kind of how they perceive us. Well, it was interesting there for a while because jobs were coming open in the SEC, and we were thinking, you know, just here on the show, like, well, you know, Drum Tang, who we would love to have here, he might get a lot of attention from those SEC schools. But you mentioned in a video that we saw on social media that K-State was the only school he talked to. I, I know you've been – I'm sure you've been asked this a bunch, but uh, like, how did you know that Coach Tang was going to be the right guy for K-State? Well, you know, I, I guess – and he said this, uh, as you mentioned um, – a couple of times, you know, he was identified early in the process and identified either by us collectively, it was myself, Casey Scott, Josh McGowan, and, and, and Kayla New. We talked about potential candidates. We talked about kind of what we wanted in a candidate, what we were looking for. Um, and then and then the search firm also as well brought his name to us. 
And so we kind of, I knew about him and obviously what Baylor had done. You know, I watched him coach a little bit. I knew uh, some friends that had worked at Baylor that talked highly of him. Um, and then when we met him that day in Kansas City, just how he presented himself, his energy, um, he was tremendously uh, passionate about just, just coaching basketball, but really about K-State and what he accomplished at Baylor. Um, had humor, just really you felt comfortable with him. So it was only an hour, but I knew at that point I wanted to learn more about him. And But yet we still had a lot of good candidates that we wanted to talk to, and then we did. Um, and every time we just kept coming back to what he we felt he brought to the table. Again, his knowledge of the Big 12, his knowledge of our program, what they did at Baylor. There was just a lot of things that kept bringing us back to him. So we started with him and going to see him on that Sunday, uh, you know, one-on-one and spent a lot of time with him. And at that point, it just really kind of closed the deal. You know, had there been some questions, we'd have walked out of there and then probably continued to talk to more people. But he pretty much wrapped it up that Sunday. So when you arrived at his house, you wasn't 100% sure that he was going to be the hire until he convinced you at his house? Yeah, I think it was two ways, right? I think it was he wasn't maybe, you know, 100% sure he would take the job if offered. Uh, but we, were, we we still needed to find out a lot more, particularly, you know, we'd heard, well, he was a defensive guy. How's he going to handle the offense? And, um, you know, being an assistant, how's he going to adjust to being a head coach? And so there were a lot of questions and that we had of him, and he answered them, all of them, very, very well. He spent probably the first 20 minutes talking about his knowledge of offense and the fact that he does – he is an offensive-minded coach with the with the group he, he, he coaches during the summer, and and so yeah, there's just a, a lot of the and I weren't really concerns or, or just questions that we had for him. He answered them very well. A lot of knowledge, his confidence and his comfort level was was just so easy to be around that that just we felt really strong about him being our next head coach. You bring up the fact that offense and defense were thoughts that were in your mind as you went into the discussion with him on that Sunday. How deep did you intend to even get into those topics with him when you sat down? <laughs> well, I told him after he uh, explained a few things, I said, heck, I could be one of your assistants after listening <laughs> to you. But, you know, he did a really good job of explaining, you know, just some things they do at Baylor. I uh, had some film up there uh, against not only other Big 12 teams, but against us. Uh, and just you know, kind of how they run an offense that that is flexible, right? And he talked about the great coaches in the Big Twelve that if you know they know what you're doing every game, they're good enough coaches. You have to have some flexibility to be able to both on the offensive side and the defensive side. And you know, he certainly you understood how Baylor approached things offensively. And of course, you got to have players to be able to pull that off. But um, you know, he was very knowledgeable of our players and, and kind of what roles they played for us this year and, and where he kind of maybe saw them in, in the future if he were the head coach. And so, you know, just a lot of knowledge and, and comfort about who we were as a program and about what he saw as our capabilities. And, and just you just knew that he knew, right? It wasn't like he was making things up or grasping at straws. He just had a great comfort level. And I think it's because he's been in the Big 12 so long and has played such a major role at Baylor in terms of scouting, exit and O, game prep, et cetera, and recruiting that the, just the comfort levels at a high, high, high level. We're speaking with Case Athletics Director Gene Taylor here on the game on Wildcat Insider. So, introductory press conference takes place on Thursday, and from my perspective, it felt like it went really well. Probably the best press conference I've ever been to, but it was unique because there were fans there to enjoy it. The K State band was there. Willie. 
there it was a lot more you know pomp and circumstance like it was a lot more bells and whistles I guess you could say to this press conference and I hate to phrase this question this way but it's the way it is I'm curious to know whose idea it was to allow first come first serve fans to enjoy that opportunity to uh, watch the new coach make his introductory statement. Well, it kind of goes back to my earlier comment. I mean, it was a, it was such a group effort to put this together and how quickly they put it together. And, you know, our staff saying, okay, we a, wanted to introduce him, you know, as widely as we possibly could to as many as we could. You know, we wanted to use it as, you know, kind of a promotional opportunity to let them. We knew, you know, Kenny and our staff knew that he was going to come in with a lot of energy. So how can we best capture that moment knowing we had you know maybe 24 hours to do that you know i don't know if you remember when we hired chris Kleiman and again using the uh, shamrock zone as a as a we didn't have that before you know we we basically had our our team room over here that we've done press conferences so you're limited into what you can do there and then we took chris on a three-day tour across the state and dallas and houston and you know we kind of drove him into the ground we wanted to do it, you know, a little bit more locally. Now we'll get Coach Tang out uh, a little bit later after he kind of gets his staff put together. Um, but we collectively, everybody said, "Hey, how can we best capture this for Coach Tang? Get him involved with the community, get everybody a chance to meet him in as many ways as we can." And so we did make the press conference more of a public thing. We wanted to drive energy back into our program, and then ultimately we had an event for donors as well later that evening. So it really was everything from. The minute he got on the plane in Waco to the minute uh, he left and, and things were over with, it was a really a coordinated effort by a lot of people that did a tremendous job with it. Well, I, I mean, just from my perspective, I feel like you guys hit a home run with this hire, especially with the um, reaction that the fan base has been giving and the reaction there was at the press conference because Coach Tang was just amazing that day. He was funny. He knew when to be serious. He was a great storyteller. I think he won a lot of people over that day. Do you feel like, was it a goal of yours? I'll put it this way. Was it a goal of yours going into this coaching search to find a guy that would do a great job and a quick job of bringing the fans back to men's basketball at K-State? You know, it certainly was part of it. I, I really, that wasn't even the top. We wanted somebody that could be a fit here that, that you know, we knew could coach and, and get the consistent, you know, uh, success over, over a long haul. Um, somebody that could recruit, somebody that had, you know, knowledge of the Big 12, somebody that was familiar in coaching in the Big 12, and, 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 and certainly the Power 5 experience as well, because it's just, it is different. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if all those factors were, were, were part of the equation that he met, uh, then if all of a sudden, you know, the personality was a part of it. When I'm like, okay, his personality is going to fit at K-State. Our fans are going to enjoy his personality. So was it the top priority? No. But as a, as a piece of it, he clearly was, you know, the collectively of everything of saying, yeah, he's, we know he's a great coach. We know he can recruit. He knows uh, and understands the Big 12. He understands offense. He understands defense. He's going to bring a different style of play. And, oh, by the way, he's funny, and people are going to love being uh, getting to know him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was telling the guys on the show last week if – you know, after coaching, if he wants to be a motivational speaker or a, a preacher, like I think he'd be a great yeah. preacher in it, later on in his years. I, he'd be great at that kind of stuff. Well, when yeah, fa- he, he told me, uh, he said, "Yeah, Gene, I got a lot of cards on uh, real estate, banks, 
And churches, I said, well, when I got here, I got two of the three. I didn't get a lot of churches, so maybe it was a little different, you know. I had, in fact, texted Wyatt on the way out of the parking lot that he won the press conference. He he did what you hoped a new coach would do in that situation. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not about the press conference. I've always said you don't hire a coach to win the press conference. If you do, um, you know, you're, you're probably hiring the wrong guy. And, and certainly – you know, if he comes in and, and does a good job, it just adds to, you know, the the success of a search. But we really wanted somebody that was, you know, if, he, if he'd have lost the press conference, but he'd have come in and still got us wins. But this was just a, an added um, benefit of him being able to be as charismatic as he was and also being, a, you know, which we hope and believe he's going to be a great coach as well. With Case Athletic Director Gene Taylor, I got a, a couple more for you. Uh, one more about the drum uh, Tang hire. Have you guys had discussions on his staff and specifically maybe uh, like how many people he would like to have on his staff if he's looking to make it a little bit bigger than what Bruce Weber had? Yeah, I mean, we have. Uh, obviously, we got some approvals to go through, uh, and, and he is going to change kind of the structure up a little bit. There may be an additional position that, that we've uh, talked about that we're kind of working through right now. Um, and so he's he's been busy with that. We have to get you know, like I said, we got to get our KSA board approval, and 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 you know he's within the budget that's been approved in terms of the salaries he wants to pay these guys. But yeah, there's going to be a little different structure. He's not going to add you know 15 people. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I think you know we were talking one full time position and, and then restructure some others. And you know I think he you know may want to grow a little bit in the GA positions but other than that I think it's going to be pretty much what we have been except for like the one full-time position <laughs> I know you've been extremely busy the last couple of weeks have you had a chance at all to go to Toyton Family Stadium and watch the Batcats yet I have uh I watched a couple of the midweek games uh now I'm gonna miss the unfortunately the Oklahoma State weekend um just because I'm going to the Final Four um this week, but yeah, I, I have watched them. I, they, they got on a roll. I knew they they have a gauntlet to start off the Big Twelve. Yep. I mean, TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Texas. They got to find wins in there. I think they're capable of it. But uh, yeah, it's it's not been a the and they start off the season against some really good teams. So um, hopefully, we can get some wins in the next few weeks, and then you know continue to you know get better as the year goes along. I'll finish up here with the Final Four. Are you a, a New Orleans guy? Do you like the uh, cuisine, the lifestyle, everything about New Orleans, that, what it offers? Well, you know, fortunately uh, that my wife's going with me, and so I'll behave uh, in terms of the, the beverage side of things. But uh, <laughs> I, I love the food. I mean, there you can't – there's really, really good food there, yep. uh, everything from high-end to just, you know, casual stuff. So I enjoy it. I, I don't won't spend a ton of time down on, on, on Bourbon Street, but uh, – you know, when I was younger, I might have been out a lot later, but uh, hopefully my goal will be to behave myself while I'm down there. My wife will make sure of that. Well, I'll be in uh, New Orleans a couple of days after the Final Four. I'm just hoping, fingers crossed, there's not going to be a lot of leftover, like, KU fans, um, <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Hopefully it doesn't get that far. But, uh, all right, Gene, I, I, I'll leave it at that. I really appreciate your time and hope to talk to you soon. All right, take care, guys. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you. We'll see you. All right, that's KSAT Athletics Director Gene Taylor on Wildcat Insider. Always good stuff. He's always amazing when he comes on the show. Uh, up next, we will talk a little bit about the Final Four, but a, uh, a former K-State coach has found a new home as a head coach in college basketball. Plus, we'll get to those Twitter questions coming up next. 
K-State baseball coming up Tuesday and Wednesday from Toyton Family Stadium, hosting Northern Colorado, the former fighting Troy Coverdales. <laughs> will be in town for a couple of 6 o'clock first pitches, 6.02 Dude, to be exact. Don't let Carl Iwasaki hear that, or I'll never hear the end of it. One of your best they're, friends they're, out there? Their coach. Their coach. Oh, okay. He's he's stellar. Cool so, guy. He's tremendous. Uh, has a lot of great stories. Uh, had part of that program for... Uh, for a number of years dating back to when it was a traditional power in college baseball and then became the general manager of what used to be the uh, AAA team in Hawaii back in the 80s before they moved inland and minor league baseball has not unfortunately not been back to the islands since. Well, it turns out that the state of Massachusetts is going to have a new person that works for the state that is now going to be the highest paid employee in Massachusetts. And that would be none other than former K-State men's basketball coach, Frank Martin. He will become the highest paid employee in the state of Massachusetts, or one of the highest paid employees, making $1.7 million, an average of $1.7 million, over five years as he becomes the new head coach at UMass after being dismissed, after being with the Gamecocks of South Carolina for 10 years. A program that has been wandering since the post-John Calipari days and really has never been able to recapture the level of play and the excitement that surrounded that program at the time. It'll be interesting to see if Frank can be able to rebuild that. Wasn't it UMass when when they were good? A player like hit a big shot to win the game, and he like jumped into the stands, like jumped into the bench after he made the shot, and he had to hurry back. He started celebrating. And he had to hurry back and get back on defense. I, I think you're probably right. I'd have to think that through a little more. But it's awesome that coach. Martin found a landing spot yes. after lo- after losing his job at at South Carolina after the Final Four run. Just couldn't pick it up after that. But also, it, you know, it makes me wonder the Bruce Weber story. Where does that continue? Does he continue to coach, or does he retire after finishing up at K State? Like knowing Bruce, like it doesn't feel like he's done. Like I, I, I would imagine he lands somewhere, but is he going to be picky? I mean, the last. 19 years mm-hmm. he's been a coach has been at the power six level illinois and k-state he had more of a, uh, more successful i would say he had a more successful run at illinois when he, he won two conference championships at illinois but also made it to a national championship game he had more ncaa tournament appearances mm-hmm. i believe at illinois so he's also also three wins away from 500 I think you know if I was selfish, if I was a selfish person, and I had three wins to go before I got to five hundred, I'd try to find somewhere to go. Right. Well, and then you also put into question whether or not would he take a assistant's job just to stay in the game as and be an assistant coach. Right. Nah, I know it. I wouldn't. I At I probably age, wouldn't. But again, who knows? He's if he's still got that itch to be a coach. Does that override that mindset? Mm-mm. Yeah, at 65, he's been a head coach for such a long yes. time. I, If I was him, I would not take an assistant coach's job. I just wouldn't. It'd have to be a really great spot. 
Uh, but I would want 500 wins, no doubt about that. Uh, real quick as well, uh, Final Four, it's three of the top four winningest programs in college basketball history in Villanova. Like, I, I, I've noticed on Twitter, a lot of people aren't interested in the curtain call run for Coach K. But I do find it interesting that it might all end in the Final Four against North Carolina. I find that to be extremely fascinating. This is a movie being made before our eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a future 30 for 30, and I would not be shocked if this is a future feature film in in theaters across the country at some time named Coach K. That's the title of the movie about his run, or maybe just his first year or something, the start at Duke. The great thing about that actor who plays Coach K – Never have to dye the dye the hair, <laughs> and um, maybe just have to add a couple of wrinkles. That's it. One of the things that stands out about this matchup, first of all, first time that they'll have ever met in the NCAA tournament. Period. Much less the Final Four. Right. Um, the second thing that stands out is that don't forget this game is on TBS and not on CBS this weekend. Final Four and championship games are on TBS this year. I think all the Elite Eight games were on TBS. Uh, CBS had the had the Sunday games. Oh, did they? But it was split. But the fact that you have uh, the Final Four and the championship on TBS this year as opposed to CBS. So there were plenty of jokes about CBS management trying to make phone calls to try and pull that Duke-Carolina game back over to CBS. Well, and of course, you know uh – KU's in the Final Four as well, and they're taking on Villanova. And I've seen a lot of people talking about how KU has had the easiest run to the Final Four. And maybe, you know, yes. I mean, Ken Palm would say oh, yes. that KU has had a pretty easy run to the yep. Final Four. Yep. For sure. The analytics would say, yes, KU has made an easy run. But I remember people saying, you know, K-State had an easy run to the Elite Eight, just the way things worked out. And sometimes when you're lucky like Kansas, it just works out easily like that. They've introduced uh, who the officials are going to be for the uh, Elite Eight, and or excuse me, for the Final Four and for the championship. Uh, just as a group, they've not announced the specific the assignments. And I'm thinking to myself as I look at this already, there are two conferences where people are just going to lose their minds. Is Pollard in there? Uh, no, he is not. <sighs> That's good. Uh, I'm not a Pollard fan. Roger Ayers is on there. Okay, I'm you know not not a big fan. Either. He's whistle happy. He like, is. He and his crew are usually. We saw it. Um, it was the I believe it was the KU game. Was it mm-hmm. not against Miami? Like he was a part yeah. of that. Terry Oglesby. Yeah. All right. It's when you get to Bo Borowski. Big Ten fans can't stand Bo. I've heard that. They, they literally think that he has it in for – every Big Ten team thinks that he has it in for them. But the one that's going to get everybody fired up around here, Doug Sermons. Oh, yep, yep, that, yep. That's that's another name that people don't like. Doug Sermons. Yep, that is definitely a name that's up there. All right, let's take our final timeout. We'll do a little Ask Us Anything when we come back. All right, I, I, I haven't come up with my own questions in quite some time, but I do have a couple of them. I listen to this podcast called Are You Garbage, and I love it. It's these two <laughs> dudes from Philly who just interview uh, these uh, comedians. A lot of them you probably haven't heard of, but they just find out if these people are garbage or not. One of my favorite questions they ask is, are, do you prefer Hellman's Mayo or Miracle Whip? But I want to change the question to, do you use Miracle Whip on sandwiches? 
instead of mayonnaise? Nope. I don't eat either. You're not a mayo guy. I'm not a mayo guy. I'm not oh. a Miracle Whip guy. Ketchup, I love... a little mustard. All right. As a kid, I would use Miracle Whip for sandwiches, but I use I love Hellman's. Hellman's is really good. I will say, though, I love French fries with mayo. Yes. I'm a big fan Ooh. of that. It's man, a, it's a very European, or very English thing to do. A man after my own heart over here. For me, I use Miracle Whip on deli sandwiches, but regular like mayo on like hot sandwiches, like hamburger or something like I that. I do like mayo on, on burgers too. Speaking of burgers, the other question I wanted to ask is: Do you eat a burger right side up or upside down? What I mean by that is, I remember somebody coming out and saying, like, Why do you eat the burger? With the toppings on the top part of the of the burger, why do you eat it like that instead of flipping it over so you can actually taste the toppings as you bite into it? I mean, I can taste the toppings just fine eating it right side up. Maybe I'm just built different, I guess? I start doing it the other way. I was like, I, I've noticed a difference. I mean, is, is this the toilet paper over the front or over the back question? I mean, essentially. It's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, but this one doesn't exactly have a right answer, just what you prefer. With the toilet paper, there's one answer. So yeah, you it's say. called whatever the hell I put it on as. No, it's toilet paper going over. Got it. So do it under. Going just under is just trash. <laughs> got it. It's in. Call me the trash man. All right, Big Steve, what do you got for us? All right. So say you're doing a karaoke night. What's your go-to song? Uh, so I remember actually bringing this up with Coach Hughes, and it kind of changes sometimes. But for a long time, it was Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. But when I get back out there. It's going to be Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay. Because I changed the lyrics. Uh-oh. And it's lyrics I can't say on air. Oh. But it's way better. You'll have to tell us off air then. Oh, I will. I'll, I will. Troy? Um, Piano Man by Billy Joel because, well, it allows me- is that song me, too long? It, it is, You're but it allows, me, it allows me to be masked because everybody starts singing along. They know the song. Mm. That's fair. Right now, my go-to is um, Talking to Myself by Linkin Park. It's off their latest record right before Chester passed away. So <laughs> that's my go-to right now. Got uh, one more? Yeah. Real quickly, what's one thing you will never do again? Oh, I'm not a big I will never do it again person because if I don't like it, I, I like to give things a second try. Okay. Like, uh, you know, give it a chance to redeem itself. But uh, maybe what I won't let ever happen again is let somebody else drive for me because I'm not good riding shotgun. I'm critical about the person that's driving. I did ride with Troy one time. He did a great job. I didn't Uh, have any complaints. All right. Uh, Mine's simple. Not going to a Nuggets game anytime soon. See you tomorrow.